Hey, you guys, thanks for tuning in for the summer series, the best of the living room podcast. You're going to love today's episode and be sure to check out the show notes for the online release of my video Bible study. You can get a discount code for 20% off, but you'll also want to stick around to the end of this episode because you're going to hear a secret word that will help you get entered in our summer giant giveaway. Tools for living room to grow a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 62. You know, every once in a while, God brings someone into your life who has the beautiful ability to speak truth to the deepest part of your heart and to it with such love that you're forever changed. Well, Susie Larson is that kind of friend to me. And I am so excited to share her with you today. Well, hello there, Miss Susie Larson. Welcome to the living room. So good to be with you, Joanna. I would join you any day of the week. Ah, I I can't even tell you what a joy it is to not only have you on the show, but also as a friend. Uh, You are a gift to me. And I can't wait to share you with my audience. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Susie. She's a radio host, national speaker, author of 15 books and lots of articles. I have had a chance actually to hear her speak in person, and she is a mighty, mighty woman of God. Uh, She's doing some amazing things uh, for women, for Christians as a whole. Some of her books include Your Powerful Prayers, Your Sacred Yes, Your Beautiful Purpose, Journaling Through the Psalms, gorgeous book. And then she's got these wonderful little devotionals, Blessings for the Morning and for the Evening, uh, The Uncommon Woman, and then her newest book, Fully Alive, Learning to Flourish Mind, Body, and Spirit. And I'm just telling you, Susie, I looked at this book last night, and I was just in tears because there is so much richness in this book. And I love just how interactive it is. You you share your heart with us, You then you point us to scripture and you point us to our own kind of just a soul healing for ourselves. And I, I am so excited to see what God's going to do with this book. Oh, thank you, Joanna. It really is a soul healing journey, um, really is about inner healing and how that process does push out into our physiology and does a healing work in our health. And this isn't just for people who struggle with health. You might need a restoration in your sense of identity, a restoration in a perspective or in a relationship. But no matter what, what happens in our soul happens in ourselves. We are physiologically, spiritually very connected. And the invitation of the Lord when he says, you know, when scripture says in Psalm 23, he restores my soul, it is so much more far reaching than we could possibly imagine. And that is my invitation. Let's explore what God meant when he said that. What is the invitation for us? What are our self-limiting beliefs? What are our God-limiting beliefs? And could it be that the gospel and the kingdom are far more reaching than we once thought? Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, as I was reading, I kept thinking of the verse where Jesus said, I've come to give life and that more abundantly. And I just feel like so many of us settle for less than all that God has. Why do you think that is? I believe we don't believe and trust in his love to the extent that he wants us to. And I'm the, you know, the poster child for that. For many years, I was saved. I still didn't know I was loved. I was saved by grace through faith because I knew I was a sinner and I needed a savior. It would be years before I realized I'm actually the object of his affection. I mean, he smiles when he thinks of me and looks at me and his thoughts toward me. 
outnumber the grains of sand. And he rejoices over me with singing. I mean, we got, we've got to kind of rehearse and remember those thoughts because we are drifters from the truth and we have this propensity to earn our own way. And I was just reading, I think it's in Romans this morning, how it's actually sinful to try to earn your own way and re, um, re, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Rebuild a structure that was torn down. The structure is the law. It's sinful to go back and try to earn your way, prove your way. When that structure was blown to smithereens by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I think to go, I could never exhaust his, his love, his compassions. They never fail. He's glad to see me every time I come into his presence, the mess that I am, the pile of contradictions that I can be. And I think that is why we can't imagine because we're so aware of ourselves and our weaknesses, but he knew who he was getting when he got us and he knows all about it. And it's still, he still says, yes, the enemy has come to rip you off, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you would have life and life abundantly. Another time he said, I've come to destroy the works of the enemy in your life. Well, all you have to do is look around and you can see the works of the enemy. And we've got to be able to partner with God to say, I'm done with this. I'm getting some of my land back. I want my freedom. I want my soul to be whole. Because Joanna, you can't impart which you don't possess. And if we're walking around with these distressed souls, it is distressing our health, our perspective. And this lost and dying world sees us as the same as them. And, and really um, studies show that we are defaulting to the same things to numb us out. We have the same issues. There's virtually no difference in stats between how we fare and how unbelievers fare. But what if one of the things I say in the book is let's pursue healing and then pray for a miracle. What if we were all walking around just a, a fresh revelation in our hearts, a miracle in our souls and in our lives, and people saw the twinkle in our eye, then they would come up to us and say, tell me about the hope that's within you. You know, scripture says when, when you're, when people ask about the hope, be ready with gentleness and respect, but that implies people see a hope. I mean, do they see a hope in us? So I want hope to make a comeback in our own personal stories. And then when we're walking out our story, others will notice. Others will ask, tell me. And you can say, let me tell you about a Jesus who came to save me, to destroy the works of the enemy, and to flourish me. He wants me to flourish. I think it's a marvel. I don't think we think enough about it. I, I so agree. I so agree. I think a lot of times we see grace as, um, you know, we're saved from our sins, but we don't see the power of grace to transform us and to make us into the image of Christ. And as a result, we do. We settle for halfway life, halfway well, halfway Christianity, because if all we're doing is accepting salvation, then we're missing out on that abundant life. Um, I, I love how you shaped the book and just acknowledged that there are some tough things that slam into our lives, even as Christians. I, I think sometimes we have this um, misconception that as Christians, life shouldn't be as hard as it is, but that just isn't true. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, Jesus did say, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And when we preach a gospel that it, it's all, you know, everything gets better from here, it's not true because we are still, we are free from the, the chains of sin. We've been delivered. We are justified in his presence. When he looks, when God looks at us, when we are in Christ, he sees Jesus' obedience, Jesus' uh, sacrifice, Jesus' payment. So there is no sin on us. I heard a preacher say, this is true, no sin on us. There might be sin in us, but it's not on us anymore, right? And as we walk out this process, um, we live still in a fallen world where people 
have their freedom of choice. And uh, it is going to get worse before it gets better on this earth. But you know what? A, sh a light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We are called to go from strength to strength, glory to glory, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. Well, you don't get that from just being blessed all the time. You get that for contending, for the promises, for winning in battle, for putting the lies under your feet, for facing down your fears. You know, I'm thinking of Psalm 18 where David, you know, he says he makes my feet on, puts me on high places so I can stand on high places. Well, he's talking about feet of a deer, which means spiritual agility. Now, as an athlete and a former fitness person, you get agility from practicing quick, sudden changes in movement, quick forward, quick back, quick to the right, quick to the left. That become, You become agile by training in that way. And our battles are what train us to stand so that whatever the ground is, we don't need the perfect scenario to stand in victory. We've got uneven terrain. We've got arrows flying and we still stand on a high place. We still say Jesus is Lord and I'm an overcomer. That is how it is. And you know, someone once said for the Christian, life on earth is as bad as it gets. And it only gets better from, from here. But for the unbeliever, Life on earth is as good as it gets, and it only goes downhill from here. So what we suffer now, as Scripture says, is nothing compared to the glory that awaits us. And, and, and our sufferings are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory. But the thing is, Joanna, many Christians hunkering down, covering their head, just trying to hang on till Jesus comes, numbing out their pain, treating symptoms, all that kind of stuff. And the thing is, there are eternal implications to how you're stewarding your struggle. There just are. There will be a day. When you face Jesus and there are Christians who will have their life's work burn up and it will be like they're saved, but barely saved as those escaping through a flame. So they'll have nothing to show for. Yes, they'll inherit heaven. But for us, every blessing is an opportunity for stewardship. Every trial, an opportunity for stewardship. And there are eternal implications in all these things. So in your trial, you can say, you know, I, I'm not made for this place. I'm not surrendering to my circumstances. I'm surrendering to the God of my circumstances. His promises are true. He will always make a way for me. Well, you know what? God opens up the book of life and he makes really good notes every time you have faith. He moves on every act prompted by your faith. Anytime that you smile at someone or give someone to, something to someone while you're in your own waiting room, God records that. You give a cup of cold water, he makes note of it. He's so taken by your faith. But what we do is we get offended by the delays. We shake our fist at God. We shake our fist at the darkness. We say, I've tried praying the promises. It doesn't work for me. And you get an attitude and you put yourself back under the discipline of the Lord. But what if you said, this is a stewardship time for me, and life on earth is short, eternity is long. So in sickness and in health, in abundance and in famine, I've got an opportunity for faith to tether myself to a good God, to know his character more and better so that I know this is a season, I will pass through it, and I'm going to come through it abundantly. I'm telling you, what you tell your soul about who God is and about your even your troubles will determine how you fare, not only through that trial, but on the other side of it. Oh, so, so good. And I think that's what excites me about this book so much is that um, you really take us by the hand and lead us through some exercises uh, of kind of exploring what's really going on. I think we can get so taken by our difficulty and what's happening on the surface that we don't realize that there's there's a lot more at play than we know. And if we will give God access, and if we're willing to do the scary work of giving Him access, He wants to do a soul-deep healing. And I was really... um 
I was really interested in what you talked about in the beginning about how that what happens in our soul happens in our cells. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, that was a, a new revelation for me. And I worked in the fitness industry for 15 years. You know, I know health and anatomy and how the body works and that kind of a thing. And I'm a woman of the word and I believe his word. And I'm someone who's battled chronic health issues my whole adult life. So I'm someone who's uniquely positioned and I'm a learner. So I like to learn more about what God is doing in the world and uh, what he's doing in my body and what choices I can make to cooperate with him so I can get better. So it, it came as a great surprise to me when I had a pretty massive health relapse uh, three years ago. And I actually write about kind of the catalyst into that place at the end of my book, Your Powerful Prayers. I mean, it just was like all hell broke loose in our lives. And it sort of triggered, among other things, a pretty terrible health relapse. I couldn't believe it at this age. You know, my I battled Lyme disease as a young mom and was very sick. My kids are grown now and I've had issues my whole adult life, but I've had a, a good life and done a lot of workarounds because I'm fit-minded and health-minded and promise-minded. And so I've dealt with those things, but they haven't really hindered me from all that I really believe God has wanted to do. But this thing hit me out of nowhere and I, it culminated. I write about it in the book, Fully Alive. I was in the bathroom and not only were my old symptoms, Lyme symptoms flaring, my facial numbing and dizziness, but there were new ones. My whole neck was going numb. My arms were going numb. And there were these neurological spasms in my esophagus that were spasming so I couldn't swallow. And then it felt like someone put a vice on my head and kept cranking it and cranking it. I had a bone crushing headache. I mean, I don't mean to get too graphic, but it felt like my skull broke because the pain in my bones in my head, the pressure in my head was so bad. And so dizziness. And then apparently what I didn't know at this point because of what was happening in my body, there was this massive inflammatory response going on. It pushes down your serotonin, which pushes up involuntary surges of anxiety in your body. When your serotonin goes low, involuntary anxiety goes up. So I've got fear, anxiety, chaos in my body. And then in the spirit, I, I could just... I felt like the enemy had me by the throat. It used to be, it felt like he had me by the face because I had so much facial issues numbing in that when I was a young mom. And God, you know, the enemy would come at me like, where's your God now? And I was still so young in my faith, I didn't have an answer. Well, this time I felt like he had me pinned by the throat against the wall and I'm crying out to God. And I'm like, I, I can't do this again. Don't make me do this. I mean, I was devastated. I was hurt. I was like, Lord, really, please, I'm going to die. He's going to get me this time. And I hear the little whisper in the chaos of this unbelievable spiritual, physical battle in my bathroom. Um, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, what? And I heard it again. The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, Lord, what are the lies that I believe? And then it just railed in my ear. I've heard it since childhood from a trauma from childhood. I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop. And that's when the Lord said, there's the lie. And my storm revealed it. And he said, Susie, it's not true. He can't get to you anytime, anywhere. You can't even know what I've provided in your life. You don't even know what I've prevented in your life. It is not true that he can have total access. He is on a short leash. And I am not going to let you lose, but I have to let you fight you don't try to outrun these lies. You turn around and you face them and you put them under your feet. Yes, it does feel like he has you by the throat. Wow. Wait a minute. I, I have to ask you to say that again. Uh, you can't outrun. A lie. 
you've got to turn around and face it and put it under your feet. And he said, yes, it feels like the enemy has you by the throat. But soon the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet and you'll have your foot on his. You have to fight. And in that fight, uh, I doctored, I had 20 tubes of blood taken, an MRI. I had, you know, a number of things that proved and revealed that I had something called chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So I had Lyme and I've had Lyme issues, but this was mold toxicity causing a massive inflammatory response in my body. So through doctoring, two Christian doctors, a functional med doctor and an MD who ended up becoming friends and working together on my behalf, um, I learned that what happens in your soul happens in your cells. It was like God was saying, this is, I've allowed an overplayed enemy attack to position you for freedom because I knew you were strong enough now. We're going in. And, it, you know, and I really believe that he does this with a lot of people where it feels like the enemy came out of nowhere, blindsided you, and it's an overplayed enemy attack because you're actually stronger than you know, and you're finally now positioned for freedom. And that storm will reveal the lie that you believe and the truths you need. And then you go to work with the Lord and you start to pay attention. There were old traumas that I had counseled through or, and some I had forgotten about and hadn't dealt with at all. And what scientists say is your body holds on to trauma. Your body knows. Guess what? Your enemy knows. He remembers. He, he's, he's had, you know, thousands and thousands of years to study mankind. And he's known you from day one. He has a better memory than you do about the trauma that you've gone through. So your body remembers, your soul actually holds on to that stuff that enemy does. And he kind of stays in the shadows and jerks your chain. Well, there comes a time where God says, it's time to deliver you. It's time for freedom. And so often we are so afraid to face some of those past traumas. We think, they're going to swallow me whole. But when the Lord brings it to surface, it means the Lord intends to deliver you. Don't be afraid. You will triumph and you will get through it. And I got to tell you, Joanna, I feel like the Lord himself has taken up so much more real estate in my soul. His spirit is so much more alive in me after the hard work. I went to counseling during that time because it was bringing up some old stuff that was like, I can't sort through this alone, but I'm going to sort through it. I marvel at the goodness of God, and I know him better after this battle. I know him, his promises. I know them more. I know them deeper. I'm telling you, that battle, I don't ever want to go through it again, but I am so much better for it. He wasn't going to let me lose, Hallelujah. but he had to let me fight. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And if we could only grasp that, that there's such a gift in the middle of it all, um, what what we could open our hearts to. Um, do you, you know, as I am working with women and talking with women, I am really, really um, seeing a trend of women with chronic health issues. And a lot of times it it is. It's either trauma or um, or it's current stress. What are some of the other things that may be awakening these sort of things in us? Well, you've got to know, you know, I've covered this on my show a lot because I'm very fascinated by it. And I've got a counselor friend who said she and her colleagues are experiencing an upsurge of women, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. All, I mean, talk about a range coming in who've had crazy physical symptoms, but anxieties, uh, irrational fears, things that they're like, I feel like I'm crazy that this has never been an issue. And suddenly, but you know, I think it's, it's an accumulation of undealt with stuff in your soul. And what and doctors at times have said, I don't have a diagnosis for you. There's nothing physically wrong with you. Uh, and that other times, you know, they'll have fibromyalgia, 
fibromyalgia and other things like that. But what these counselor friends said is these women come in and when they start to unravel their story and they get into those deep places of hurt and they experience the love and the presence of God, so many times over and over again, these physiological symptoms just sort of fade away. Once the healing happens in the soul, it starts to happen in the cells. And that is, that's just true scientifically, even that when we go after healing and restoration in the soul, it affects us physio- physiologically. Then one, one of my docs who I interview once a month, he said when he sees fibromyalgia patients, you know, he says there's a health triad that's uh, chemical, physical, and emotional. And he said when he sees fibro patients, there's always all three aspects. There's always an emotional component to the fibro patient. And he said if you just deal with the chemical or just with the um, the the emotional or physical, I should say, and not the emotional, you're you'll you won't see healing and wholeness for these dear souls. Um, I'm telling you, when we compartmentalize our faith and we just treat symptoms, I just want the symptom to go away. I just want relief. Well, God wants redemption. You know, I, I just want a break. He's like, no, I want breakthrough. And we are in a society that treats symptoms. Just, I, I need to keep going with my life. But the symptoms are trying to get your attention. And there is a place, of course, at times. For medicine, of course there is, but we are way over medicated in our society. We are way over treating symptoms and not asking the why behind the what. Why are these symptoms surfacing? What is my body telling me? Over and over again, you're going to find if we were willing to slow down hurts, disappointments, losses. Uh, Steve Arterburn was someone who joined me on my show. He's done, I've interviewed him a handful of times, but this was a couple of years ago and I never forgot it. He said, Susie, he said, one of the great epidemics of the church today is unresolved grief. He said, we have all had a series of hurts and losses and disappointments, but we've not taken time to slow down to deal with them. That grabbed me and I've not let go of that. And I started to do more research and asking lots of questions to a lot of experts. And they've all said it's absolutely true. And what do we do when we have hurts and losses? We join another committee, we numb out, we pick our favorite indulgence. But what if we gave some time for healthy lament to say, Lord, that rejection, that loss, when they chose someone else or when they made a promise and then they changed their mind, golly, that hurt. <laughs> Will you minister to me? What, what lie did I pick up when life let me down? We've got to be willing to slow down long enough to feel some of those things because we'll do one of two extremes. We'll either numb out and keep stuffing that down, and it will affect us emotionally, relationally, spiritually, vocationally. We'll be operating with a wound, whether it be a father wound, a friend wound, a rejection wound, or we'll become a person who rehashes and rehearses ad nauseum to the point where we're so stuck we're on repeat, and we're not getting better. We're over-processing to the point we're just drilling ourselves a deep pit to stay stuck in. But when we are willing to go with the Lord to say, Lord, I want to enter into a time of holy lament. I want to feel this so I can heal it, so I can move on from this place. God invites us to that. And you can enter into that with the Lord anytime to say, speak to me about some of the things I've stuffed down. But lots of times it'll be a crisis that brings it up. And don't run away from it. Go run towards the Lord to say, heal my soul, make me whole. Amen. And don't you think the enemy just wants us to be so afraid of that? <laughs> I, I think that that even there's some probably some people listening right now. They're like, yeah, mm, no, I, I can't even imagine how hard that would be, how terrifying that is. And I feel like, at least for me, the enemy always blows it up and he makes it seem impossible. And he makes me think that my current pain is less pain than actually dealing with my pain would cause. 
And, but it's such a lie, such a lie. So, so how, you know, I mean, I know that we can't take care of this in a, in a interview, but what are some steps towards that? I, I really honestly, and I'm not just saying this, but I really feel like your book is a wonderful place to start. But what else? I mean, once we're starting to dig those things up and maybe we don't have the resources for a counselor or, or, or even live in a place where that sort of help is available, what do we do with what we discover as we're walking through the book? I back up a little bit and make sure that you get back to a place first of his love and an assurance of his love. Uh, because I think it was Dr. Jim Wilder who said, if there's a dark room and you're telling your child to go into that room, you're inflicting more trauma. But he says, if that child hops up into his father's arms and has some time with his daddy to go, oh yeah, I'm with my dad. And daddy carries the child into the dark room. That child's just fine. And one of the exercises in the book um, that I got this from my counselor when I walked through this stuff. And uh, I tried it on my radio show and it was just a marvel. What she asked me to do, this was two, three years ago, but she wanted me to pick a memory when I felt most alive and most like myself. And I, again, I write, I think I write, yeah, I write about it in the book. Um, and for me, it was a day, I'm, I'm a cyclist, I love to cycle, and it was a 90 degree day. And I, I love to cycle in hot, humid weather because in the heat, I don't feel any bone or joint pain. So I hopped on my bike and I was riding 21 miles an hour um, for a long distance. And that's fast when you do long, you know, that that's a good speed. And uh, it was just this boiling hot day. And I had a, a thing in my ear. So I'm listening to worship music in one ear. Then I uh, went on in a lake and just floated and the sun hit my face. And living in Minnesota, winters are long. So the sunshine, the heat, the cooling water, everything about it was a slice of heaven for me. And she said, well, buried in that uh, memory is a, is a sign of what God wants to do, what restoration looks like for you. Well, the truth of the matter is that memory happened right smack dab in the middle of this relapse. I'd been sick. I'd been tired. I just didn't have the strength. And for some reason, one morning I woke up and I had the power. I could feel it in my legs. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know why, but I'm like, I'm doing this. And I hopped on my bike and I pounded it out. And it was like victory in the middle of just a wretched battle. So on the show, I said, I want you to just you know, call in and tell me about a time when you felt most like yourself, because hidden in there is something God wants to restore. I just believe that. One gal called up and she says, well, it sounds crazy, but she said, my memory is my siblings and I crammed in this car with my mom and dad, a puny car, too small for our family. We're squished. We're kind of pushing back and forth, but we made the best of it. We sang songs and then we got to this cabin and it was a rickety old cabin, but we were together. And as I asked her more probing questions, the truth of the matter is she had a job where she was working remotely at her home. She'd lost all sense of community and her family members had moved away and her parents had passed away since. And the two things that she realized that she was missing was adventure and community, that she had none of it. And she's like, I, I said, I think God wants to restore you to a community and I think he wants to take you on an adventure. And I'm telling you, Joanna, one person after another, their fond memory spoke of something that they're missing that God wants to restore. So I would say start there. Get with the Lord with your journal and your Bible and say, Lord, show me a memory when I was most myself. And then unpack it for me. Show me, you know, look at it like an analogy in a word picture and do some time with the Lord. And then you're assured again you have a good daddy. He's not going to ask you to go in a room all by yourself that's dark with the lights off. You're just going to sit with him. You're going to hug him. He's going to hold you. And together, he's going to say, that part of your story, remember that? 
I want to restore that in a new way. Let's get a vision for what that looks like. And you just start to get assured of the Father's love and his desire and his intent to restore you. And then you're able to say, okay, how do I get there? And he'll say, that lie that you picked up when that door slammed in your face, let's talk about that. And you're in the embrace with the Lord and you're able, and it, it's like you said, the enemy blows stuff out of proportion. But when you're in the Father embrace, knowing that there's a vision for your restoration, suddenly it's like, it's a past thing. It's not a current thing. He doesn't get to, he doesn't have unhindered access to you. Over and over again, David says in the Psalms, you refused to let my enemy triumph over you. Me. He refuses to do that. He will not let that enemy triumph. So as you're in his arms and he says, that lie, this is what's true. Truth will be a healing balm. You'll feel the weed get yanked out. But when he starts to plant new seeds and he waters it with his word, you're like, yes, I was made for restoration. Hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think just really inviting the Holy Spirit to go lead us too. You know, I love that idea of not going into the dark room alone because I think that's what the enemy says. Oh, it's too scary. Um, it, it, what you might discover, what God might say. But I know from personal experience, he's such a beautiful gentleman and he's such a wonderful shepherd and he takes us at a pace we can go. That's the thing I think the enemy wants us to tell, say to us as well as, oh, you're going to be totally undone. No, 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 no. He is such a faithful father. And I believe he takes us layer by layer at, at a pace that we can go and that we can assimilate truth to replace those lies. And again, I mean, I just, I seriously believe as I was reading last night, I thought, I thought of several friends that I'm going to get this book for because I know, I know they know there's an issue. There's a problem. They're feeling it in their body, the torment in their soul, and they want freedom. But sometimes we don't know how. And I just, I really, I appreciate you, Susie, because you always take us back to truth. It's always about scripture. But then you also bring that holistic um, understanding of, of our body and everything because you've lived through it. And I just, I want to thank you for being faithful to steward your pain and not allow the enemy just to suck you down in it because you have a message that we need to hear on so many levels all of your books i feel like they're you've lived them and so they're they're just they're steeped in prayer steeped in the word um anyway i I just think you're amazing, and I appreciate you so much. Before we came on, Susie, um, when I when I got on our recording, um, Susie was doing a Facebook Live, and it was so good. Now, do I understand that you do that every Wednesday morning, or you're aiming for a weekly time? That's right. Well, on, I actually interview people on Tuesday, Thursday nights, and uh, but I do a Wednesday Word in the morning, just a short seven-minute or so devotional Yes. And the one I, I didn't know you were listening. So that's what you were talking about. Yeah. I was trying to figure out what scripture I, because I want to prepare for Wednesday. I want to make sure I don't do an overlap. So I needed to listen to it again to make sure I'm, you know, not doing any kind of overlap. So yeah, that one was about first belief, you know, and it only, people think they need to hike themselves up by the bootstraps. It only takes a mustard seed of faith. So it hinders the movement is our unbelief. So can we deal with the unbelief, our, our self-limiting beliefs, but also our God-limiting beliefs? That's what that one was about. Oh, well, I just loved it. And um, you said something that um, I actually have been asking the Lord uh, for some wisdom concerning 
what I, I want to write in my new book on trusting God. And you shared a little bit about expectation and expectancy and what your mentor taught you about that. And I really think as we are talking about this whole, um, this whole issue of where, you know, to be, I think the best illustration for me is where we feel stuck, where whether we're stuck physically, stuck emotionally, whether we're going through um, just turmoil, we cannot figure out how to get forward from that. I just feel like that explanation you gave in, in the Facebook Live this morning could help someone when it comes to expectation and expectancy. Yeah, I got that from my mentor, I don't know, 15, 17 years ago, and I've repeated it so many times because for me, it was just a a game-changing perspective. Expectation, she says, is premeditated disappointment, where you create a bullseye of how you expect things to turn out, and when they don't, you're going to be disappointed. Well, the thing is, we do that to each other. We're going to be, we're making up our minds ahead of time. You have to please me in such a specific way that if you don't, I'm disappointed. Well, that we can't do that. And we do the same with God, where we pray, we even pray scripture, but we've created a, a, a bullseye for God that it needs to turn out this way. I'm praying your verses, you know, but we're, we're kind of taking his His will and trying to bend it to ours, but he's not bound by our dictates. So expectation is premeditated disappointment. And so often, Joanna, those who've done that say, been there, done that, not going to die it again. And, and there's this mass of Christians who will not pray audacious prayers because of the disappointment that came through expectation. So she said, expectancy, on the other hand, is totally different. It's keeping your heart in it, keeping your hands open, saying, I don't know. There's a mystery to following God, but his ways are higher than mine. His His truth is so much better than I know. I'm going to keep my heart in it. I'm going to pray audaciously. I'm going to bend and err on the side of faith, knowing any day now he's going to break through in a way that I may not see coming. It may look different than I thought, but I always know that he's better than I ever imagined. So I'm going to live with a holy expectancy. I love that because you have to keep your heart in it. Don't get weary in doing good, right? At the right time, you will reap a harvest. And we have to remind our souls, our faith matters to God. It's a big deal to God. So keeping your heart in it is uh, just keeping your heart engaged. I mean, too often we parrot one thing with our mouth, but our hearts don't believe it anymore. I mean, Abraham himself, you know, he said something to the to the Lord while inside he laughed. He laughed on the inside and said the Christianese thing on the outside. Well, we have the same disconnect at times, and God wants us to mind that, you know, tend to that so that there's no gap between what your heart believes and your core believes, what your soul knows to be about God. It is hard to be in the waiting but that is where heroes are made, and that's where we uh, learn. It's not our will. It's his will. Not our way. His way. His timing is the best timing, and I'm going to wait for his timing. Blessed are those who wait on the Lord. Oh, so, so good. And, you know, I really do think that that, that, that can feed into um, even what we've been talking about this whole time, where God hasn't showed up the way we thought he would with the way we believed he would. And so this disappointment has turned into a disillusionment and into a, and maybe a mismanaged grief, kind of like what you said, like, what do I do with that? I've, I've asked God to heal my marriage all these years. I've asked God for physical health healing all these years. Maybe this is just my lot in life. Maybe I just hold on till heaven. Um, so I love this idea of, okay, Lord, refocus my hope so that it's not hope in an outcome, but it's hope in my God. Amen. And and I just, 
I, I think that's the only way to manage grief. Yeah, to be honest, I walked through a real discouraging time this last fall, and I had created a bullseye <laughs> for God. And it was so helpful, so helpful to have you put verbiage to that because when it didn't happen, boy, the discouragement came in. And uh, one morning, not too long ago, as I was just asking God, I don't want to be stuck here. I Please, Lord, you know, what? what is the lie I'm believing in and kind of walking through those things. And I just felt him remind me of that verse where David writes, why so downcast, O my soul, put your hope in God. And I think as we're, wherever we're at, whatever path we're navigating, where is my hope? If my hope's in an outcome, I'll be disappointed. I'll, I will grieve. I will be angry. I will whatever. And and like you said, what, what we go through in our soul ends up in ourselves. But if I can go, Lord, my expectancy is of you. And, and friend, you know, that's what I've seen you live out. And that's what your writing inspires. I would love to have you share where people can find you, especially where they can hear more, um, your radio show, your different things that you're producing. Can you tell us that? Absolutely. Information for me is on suzylarson.com and also have a very active Facebook page. And that's facebook.com slash deeper life in Christ. Mm, and it's so good, you guys. You have got to check it out. You've got to check it out. I, I want you to close with one thing, if you wouldn't mind, because it was really profound when you spoke for us at our conference. And um, and then again, when I was reading the book, you shared the story that you, you've shared in other books about coming to rest in the love of God, because I really do believe that that's the secret to living fully alive. And um, just kind of the little uh, exercise the Lord had you go through, rather than saying, I love you, Jesus, what he asked you to do. Can you kind of flesh that out? Absolutely. You know, again, I had some some childhood trauma at the hands of teenage boys, and then I was a, a performer as far as I was a gymnast, and I sang okay. And so I used all of whatever gifts God gave me in middle school and high school to try to prove myself out of that identity hole. And I will just say as a side note, that is what you do. When you don't know who you are, you'll misuse your time, treasure, and talents to prove something Jesus has already proven. And it's a colossal waste of your time. But I, that's what I did. And when I became a Christian, I just did the same thing. I knew I was saved. I didn't know I was loved. Served on five committees, just wanted to kind of outdo one another in loving good deeds. And that sounds good and it's scriptural, but it is how often people are doing that to prove something that Jesus has already proven. Well, there's so little fruit in living out of a lie. And I remember one morning, I just was with the Lord. I had three little kids, and I just was like, Lord, I, I, you know, I'm battling a disease, and I'm like, I, I spend time with you every day. I memorize scripture. I journal. I pursue you. But I get up from this place, the same insecure person I always am. Where is the victory for me? I, I worry about what people think of me. I'm afraid of my own shadow. I fear future trauma. I'm, I'm not free. Where's the victory? And the Lord broke his silence and whispered to my heart, I, I get that you love me, but you don't seem to get that I love you. And until I tell you different, I want you to say, every time you want to say, I love you, Lord, I want you to turn it around and say, you love me, Lord. Say it now. Just I said, you love me, Lord. And it literally felt like blocks in my mouth, you know, like it, it was so foreign to me. Say it again. You love me, Lord. You know, I'd blow it with my kids. I'd yell at them and then feel bad about it. And he'd say right there, right here, now, say it. 
even here, you love me, Lord. I would do something halfway decent, say it. You love me, Lord. And I started to wonder, is this some kind of self-actualization kind of, you know, whatever declaration, or is this biblical? And it was all over scripture. You know, it's not that we loved God, it's that he loved us. You know, he stooped down to make us great. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us first. And at conferences, when I ask women to put their hand on their heart and just say, do it, say it, you love me, Lord. Every time, half of the women stiffen up, like I'm asking them to do something that's beneath them. But there's another half, their eyes well with tears, because they already know they can't do enough. They can't earn enough, you know. But we don't start from our efforts. We start from Christ's victory. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us. And as we start to just speak to our soul, you love me. You love me here. You smile over me. I'm telling you, Joanna, I went through counseling. I've done the work around the stuff that I went through as a child, but nothing healed my soul like God's love. Coming into the revelation of his love changed everything. And I do write about that in my book, Uncommon Woman, if you're interested, but that was a big game changer for me. Wow. So beautiful. Well, would you just close us in prayer? Um, I, I just want to thank you again for your time and and thank you again for just getting alone with Jesus. I, I love that he has truly been your healer. And yet he's also, he's, he's fleshed it out in beautiful ways that can help us on our journey, but nothing more important than that prayer. So would you close us? I'll be honored. Father, thank you for my friend listening today, for the one who's got hurts as I can just sense even now they're bubbling up and she wants to push them back down because it just seems too much in her busy day to where's the time and space going to come from to sort through losses and hurts, but they keep asking for attention. But Lord, you make a way where there is no way. You lead us beside still waters. You lead us in paths of righteousness where we learn our identity for your name's sake. Father, help us care um, as much about what we've been saved from, but as what we, I should say it this way, Lord, help us to understand what we've been saved for, not just what we've been saved from. We've been saved for a purpose. And many are watching our stories. So I pray for that dear sister. I pray that she'd sense your presence even now. I pray the healing power would begin now. I pray you would ignite faith and vision for what is possible now so that a year from now, she can look back and say, I am freer. I know more. I possess the promises. I'm less afraid of that enemy. I, I, I look at my future with hope and expectancy. I want that for you, dear sister. So I pray faith would rise up. I pray healing would come. And Lord, if this dear sister needs a counselor or a mentor, bring that person to walk the journey alongside her, Lord. And I pray she would just see evidence of your goodness every which way she turns. God, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. Display your power among my dear sister listening today. Heal her in ways she doesn't even know she needs healing. Heal her beyond her wildest dreams and then use her, Lord, as an instrument to heal others. Use her. May your healing flow in and through her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a beautiful interview. So much good, good stuff to chew on. I hope you'll check out the show notes over at the podcast page at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 001. You'll find highlights as well as links to Susie, her books, and other resources. I hope you'll join the conversation over at my Facebook page and consider joining our private living room Facebook community. Until next time, remember my friend, don't settle for a halfway life. Press in and press close to God. Then let Him heal you and help you press through anything that's standing in the way. For you were made to live fully alive, living 
loving, and leading like Jesus. I don't want you to miss it. I love you, sweet friend. God bless. Well, here it is, you guys. The secret hashtag for episode 62. Just use the number symbol, hashtag TLR alive. That's the living room, TLR, and the word alive. As you share this episode on social media, be sure to include the hashtag and you'll be entered to win books from all of our summer guests, as well as a $75 Amazon gift card. We'll announce the winner September 1st. So have a wonderful summer, my friend, and keep on listening.